please stand for the call to worship. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations and his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Let us worship God. The proof of God's amazing love is this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Because we have faith in Christ, we can approach God with confidence. So therefore, let us admit our sins and let us confess them before God. God of mercy, you sent Jesus Christ to seek and to save the lost. We confess that we have strayed from you and turned aside from your way. We are misled by pride, and we see ourselves pure when we are stained, and great when we are small. We have failed in love, neglected justice, 
and ignore your truth. Have mercy, O God, and forgive our sin. Return us to the paths of righteousness through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. God is slow to anger and full of compassion. He forgives all who humbly repent and trust in his Son as Savior and as Lord. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And what a glorious opportunity each week to join together in the response heard around the world, our affirmation of faith through the Apostles' Creed. Shall we share together? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And on this beautiful day, let us take a moment to share some fellowship and greeting with our neighbors. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. 
Welcome to Church of the Palms. We are glad you're with us this morning. We are delighted to be greeted by such a beautiful day, and we are thankful that we have this chance as the people of God to respond to the beauty around us in worship and praise. So we're glad that you have joined us in that uh, time of praise and worship. We hope that you will find this to be a welcome place, especially if you are coming to us from afar. Perhaps you're just down here for a short period of time and we're glad that you're with us and count this your church family, uh, your home away from home as you enjoy some time here in Sarasota. And of course, uh, those of you who are new in our midst who live here in Sarasota, we'd love for you to learn more about us by looking in the bulletin and by joining us on our website and uh, by also putting your email on the uh, friendship pad, which we will be passing to our neighbors. And that way we can get you information right away as to what's happening here at Church of the Palms. And a lot is happening here and we invite you to be a part of all of it. Next Sunday, we are blessed to have right here in our sanctuary, the Sarasota Orchestra will be performing along with Gloria Musica as they perform Haydn's Creation, three o'clock next Sunday afternoon. You won't wanna miss that. It's a wonderful opportunity for us as a church to host uh, the orchestra and we're delighted that we can do so. And uh, speaking of the Sarasota Orchestra, we're grateful to have Christopher Schnell with us this morning and thank you for your accompaniment of our worship. And Christopher is a member of the orchestra along with Jonathan and Yoko. So we're uh, glad that we can be in partnership with all of you uh, this coming Sunday. We uh, also invite you to come and join us for our First Impressions uh, Conference, which is coming up this Saturday, and there's information about that in your bulletin. And you may remember just a couple of weeks ago, you know, we had a couple of tornadoes bumping around Sarasota uh, uh, late on a Saturday night. One of the first persons to arrive here on Sunday morning was a gentleman by the name of George Jenkins who leads our emergency preparedness team. He's been working on this for 10 years to be ready for such moments like that when perhaps members of our community and congregation would be in need of help. And George was here to make sure that we were responsive to any concerns that people had. George, would you stand up over there? George, give him a round of applause. George is one of those unsung heroes, many unsung heroes here at Church of the Palms who behind the scenes is there to make sure that you are being cared for and that we are serving you in every capacity possible. And George, I have your certificate of appreciation, but I forgot it, it's in my office, so I'll get that to you <laughs> later on. We have been about our open palms season where we've been wondering about uh, the good Lord's uh, movement and call on our congregation's life as we are seeking to expand our ministry and expand our campus. We are focusing on uh, the creation, building of a new palm center wherein we invite more and more youth and children and families and seniors to be a part of our ministry through a variety of activities and uh, ministries here at Church of the Palms. And uh, we've been hearing uh, lots of buzz about it, lots of stories that are being shared. We've been catching some of those on video and we'd like to share with you uh, one such story of the Sobolewskis. We're the Sobolewskis, I'm Steve. This is my wife, Sarah. We have two little ones, Sydney and Sawyer. Uh, we've been coming to the Church of the Palms for uh, roughly three years now. And uh, we've been very happy that we chose Church of the Palms. The journey that led us to Church of the Palms first started with our with our kids. It's like, well, we need to find a church because we have children and like we're responsible for these tiny souls and we're like we're gonna bungle it. And so we started for him, but we it, it's ended up as you know 
meaning so much for us. When we first came to Church of the Palms, we were um, overwhelmed by the number of different ways to serve. Like no bad choices, like lots of different ways to support the church um, and to support the ministry work that we do throughout the community. Family Promises ministry here at Church of the Palms, whereas we take families in for a week, four times a year, and it, this is for families that just need a leg up. Uh, these are families that just need to save up a little money. Uh, they typically spend about a 90 days in the program. They'll spend a week with us, a week with another church, a week with another church after that. Uh, and it's got an 80% success rate uh, to get these people back into permanent housing. Yeah, the clergy was really supportive offered lots of great suggestions. For example, we built a leadership team, uh, which I think is now about 10 of us, which has been a great, and it, and it just goes to show that, there, that, that the clergy was committed to the work and helping homeless families that are in transition in, in Sarasota, but they also care very deeply about my family and our time and that we not be overextended. And so they have guided us in creating something that is sustainable in the long run. It drives home what faith in action can look like, what God's love can look like. And I'm so excited for my kids to be growing up in an environment where their passion and their heart for service is gonna be supported by the people around them. There was something that happened uh, uh, during a, a conference I had at Sawyer School. Beginning of the year, they had uh, folders uh, that they were uh, to, uh, design, um, you know, that would hold all of their papers. And his teacher would ask the, the, the kids a number of questions, and they would answer these questions in a circle around him. And as I'm sitting there and I'm reading through the circle, I, I got to the word God. And I asked the teacher, what was the question? And she says, who is the most important person in your life? This is, this is what Church of the Palms does. This is what they do well. This is getting to the kids, uh, and I'm really proud of, of that fact. I think that Church of the Palms is a really special place, and there is a tremendous opportunity with this campaign to, do, to be a part of something that could really um, impact our own lives, but also the lives of the people in, in the greater Sarasota community. This opportunity doesn't present itself every year. You know, this is a, it's a time for us all to be a part of something. It's not the buildings, it's not the space. It's about how that space can be used to bring people in, to create side doors for people to come here and to really um, build deep relationships with each other, but also with the community around us. Actually, our first, our Family Promise families will be with us starting today and will be with us over the course of the next week. And if you'd like to learn more about that particular ministry, please see the good folks underneath the tree. Over the next few days, you'll be receiving in the mail uh, a mailing from Church of the Palms that includes two pledge cards, a green card and a white card. And the, the white card, of course, is uh, very important, which is our annual um, stewardship campaign, which is a way for you to make your commitment to our annual uh, ministry here at Church of the Palms. And uh, we really want you to pay attention, first of all, to this card, for this is really the ministry that sustains us from week to week and month to month. 
And then also you'll be receiving the green card, which uh, allows you the chance to make a contribution, a sacrificial gift uh, to our Open Palms campaign and to the development of our campus. Look for both of those, and we hope that you'll bring them both on March the 6th, that's two weeks from today, where we will have the chance to make our commitments together as a congregation to the ongoing ministry of our church and to the future uh, development of our campus. If you'd like to learn more about uh, particularly the Open Palms uh, effort and this new season in our church's life, I will be available after this service over in the chapel at 1015 uh, to answer your questions and to talk with you a little bit more about what it is we're doing and uh, to find how we can encourage you in your response to what we're doing here at Church of the Palms. Let's continue our worship.
like to invite our newest members to come forward to be received into membership. You will notice in your bulletin the names and pictures of 20 folks who are being received into membership here at Church of the Palms uh, across all four of our services. These are the nine o'clockers. <laughs> and you will see their smiling faces as they stand before you and would love for you to raise your hand when I call out your name and that way uh, folks can put name and face together. Linnell and Roger Dickinson and Anne and Frank Folsom Smith and Gail and Lynn Freeman and Bob and Fran Patterson, and Bert and Eleanor Schwagert Olson, and Carlene Todd. Welcome these good people into our family. Now I have to ask you to look at me. You have been with us in many different capacities over weeks, months, perhaps even years. And uh, we're grateful now that you have decided to make this step and join our church. And by joining our church, you of course join our larger mission of equipping disciples for the service of Christ. And in doing so, we would love for you to answer these questions as you come to be received. Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Do you trust in him? Do you intend to be his disciple, to obey his word, and to show his love? And will you be a faithful member of this congregation, giving of yourself in every way, and will you seek the fellowship of the church wherever you may be? By answering those questions, you have indeed not only joined our church, but you have made a reaffirmation of your faith, and you have uh, begun a new chapter in your spiritual journey by being with us here at Church of the Palms, joining us in our mission, working side by side, shoulder to shoulder with us as we seek to be the family of God here in the midst of Sarasota. So to that end, allow me to invite you and the congregation to be in a time of prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we rejoice and give thanks for you are a gracious God you are a God who seeks to claim all of your children to be a part of the great family of faith. We thank you, O oh Lord, that these people before us have been open to your Holy Spirit's movement in their lives to bring them to this place, into this family, and to, yes, even say yes again to your grace and mercy in their lives. And we thank you, O oh Lord, that you now give them, as you give us all, the gift of your Holy Spirit that you infuse them with your mercy and grace and that you will inspire us all so that we can be light in the world and salt of the earth. We pray, O oh Lord, that you will truly equip us as disciples so that we may serve Jesus Christ in all that we do, that whether we be upon this campus or whether we be in parts of Sarasota or even in corners of the world, that we would know that we go with you and that you fill us with that spirit, that you give us grace and mercy to share and that we truly can be uh, your hands and feet in this world. So bless these people and bless our congregation as we seek to be that light in the world that is so desperate for good news. For we pray all this in your son's name, Jesus Christ, who taught us all to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Welcome into the church. God bless you. now continue our worship through the presentation of our tithes, gifts, and offerings. Thank you. 
Let us pray. Our most loving and generous God, accept these our offerings on behalf of our gratitude and dedication for all the blessings we have received each day from you. We pray that you will use these to make more disciples of Christ for the service that you have intended for all of us to have near and far. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated as Lori and our children come forward. Thanks, Pastor Mingy. So we had family camp this weekend, and we have about mm, nine families that are still at family camp. So like about 20 of our kids that would be here are still getting dirty and having fun. So it might be just a few less of us today for that. But I am so glad that you are here. So here's my question. If you had to remember something that's really, really important, what would you do? Hmm, what'd you do, Kai? Write it down. Write it down, excellent. Would you do anything else? Have you guys ever heard of like tying a string on your finger? No, like I have never done that. But in the Ash Wednesday service, Miss Carol asked us to tie a string on our wrist so we would remember to make space for God in our hearts. So I actually did that one. My friend, Ann McFall, she helps out at VBS like every year doing games. One year I said, hey, Ann, oh, could you bring in a blow dryer for tomorrow? And she goes, yep. And she started taking her watch off. And I go, I don't need your watch, Ann. And she goes, no, 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 I just put it on my other wrist because then when I get home, I'm like, why is my watch on my other wrist? And then I, oh, I remember, I got to remember something. Anybody wear a watch? No, don't use that one then. That's not a good one. Okay, so why do you think I might be wearing dots? Thank you. To remember stuff. <gasps> to remember stuff. I am trying to remember to tell you something really super important. So I'll get back to those. Did you guys hear about that building that we want to build that's out? It's out like that way, out in that field. Have you heard about that? There's a little bit on the video. Yeah, so this building is this place where we get to learn more about God we get to invite other people in to learn about God, and we get to serve him. So in my seminary class this last week, I read about John Calvin. He's kind of the founder, father of the Presbyterian Church, and you know what he said? He said that God chose the church as his dwelling place. Well, there's so many people at Church of the Palms that want to hang out with God that we're out of space. We have got to have more space, and it's not even for just the people that are here. It's for those people who maybe don't even know God yet. So, something very important. If we're going to build this awesome building, what do you think we need? Maddie, what do you think we need? Bricks. We do need bricks, but before we can even buy a brick, what do you think we need? Eric. A piece of paper that shows what it's going to look like. You guys are really smart. Yep, and before we get, no, actually we had the piece of paper before we had a lot of this. What might we need? Money. Money, thank you. <laughs> we need money. But I don't want you to think for one minute that just because you're a kid that you can't be a part of something that is this important. Our friend Alan Walworth, who comes and helps us with this, he gave us this letter, the letter D. Does anyone's name start with D? Excellent. The letter D, and there's three things that I want you to think about. The first one is delete. If there's something that you do on a regular basis that costs a little bit of money, and you just don't do it, 
and you give that money instead to the building campaign. So here's an example. One father and his son, they went to McDonald's like every single week. And the son said, Dad, Dad, what if we just ate bologna sandwiches instead of going to McDonald's and we could give that money? And he's like, yeah, I don't like bologna sandwiches, but you know, it's the right spirit. So you think not that much, right? $8 a week maybe for a happy meal and an adult meal. Over 52 weeks, that's over $400. Over three years, that's over $1,200 that a kid was able to make a difference in the campaign. So that's deleting something. Second thing, delay. Have you ever saved up for something? Something that you really wanted? Maybe a video game, maybe a toy that you've saved up. What if, instead of buying it right now because you've been saving that money, what if you just delay and get it a little later and give the money to the building campaign. So my husband and I are talking about that because I have a car that's like nine years old. We were gonna get a car and we're going, well, maybe we could delay if it keeps running for three more years and make that payment to the building campaign. We're still gonna get the car, but maybe we can just delay it for a little bit. Okay, the last D, donate. Who here has stuff? <laughs> Who here has stuff? Wow, we have so much stuff, we don't know what to do with all of our stuff, but what if you had something that you could donate, something that you could sell on eBay and use that money for the building campaign? Okay, I gotta tell you one more quick story, sorry. There's this boy. Is anyone eight, anyone eight years old up here? Nice, excellent. You'll get this story really well, the rest of you try to keep up. There was an eight-year-old and here's what happened. It's Sunday. It's like our March 6th. The pastor is calling down all the people to give their pledges or their money for the building campaign. Everyone's doing that. This little eight-year-old comes up with a baseball. And he goes, Pastor, I don't have any money. I'm only eight. This baseball might be the most important thing in the world to me. Now, I don't know if a church needs a baseball or not, but I would like to give this baseball. The pastor stopped the service right there, and he held up the baseball, and he told the congregation what was going on, and he goes, you know what? I think we should bid on this baseball, and he started an auction right in church, and they started bidding on the baseball. $1,000, $2,000. The final bidder, $20,000 for a stinking eight-year-old's baseball. <laughs> but it doesn't end there. The pastor said, you know what? You know what this baseball teaches us? Is that I wonder, what if all of us gave the amount of money that we bid on this baseball and we, we give it all to the building campaign? So hear me when I say this. It's not about the money, even though that baseball brought in $150,000. It's not about the money, but the pastor said, this boy has what we all desperately want and need. He was willing to give up the most important thing to him for something better. Pretty cool. So, back to the dots. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to remember to pray about what maybe you could do for the building campaign. Maybe it's 
to delete something, maybe it's to delay something, maybe it's to do donate something. But if you pray about how God might be calling you to do this thing, then you're going to take this little dot off the corner and you're going to stick it somewhere where you see it every single day. Maybe it's on your lunchbox. For me, it'd be on my coffee machine every single day. And we're going to hand these prayer cards out. So everybody in our church, because this is for adults and for kids, everybody in our church to have this prayer and this dot, and we're going to pray how God might be asking us to do something really, really good for us. And I'm going to pray this prayer as our clothing, closing. Let us pray. Lord, I am your child, and I thank you for all the people you have put into my life to help me know your love. I know, O oh Lord, that you have blessed me to be a blessing to others. Guide me as I prayerfully consider what sacrifice I can make as our church stretches farther to extend your love to others. May your love, grace, and mercy shine through my gift. In Jesus' name, amen. congregation. Amen. I think we can get a better amen from the congregation. Do I get another amen from the congregation? Amen. Okay. I did not forget that we have a second hymn in our service, but uh, I'm trying to respect our TV audience, and we're going to forego our second hymn and head right on into our scripture passage today, which comes to us from the gospel according to Mark, the 10th chapter beginning at the 32nd verse. And before I read that, I failed to remember to invite you to come out after the service to greet our newest members. They will be right outside our door here and uh, welcome them into our life. And as well, I believe those tickets for the Sarasota Orchestra for next Sunday uh, will also be available right underneath the tree and uh, find that table and go ahead and reserve your spot. Mark chapter 10, beginning at the 32nd verse, as we continue in this lectionary, this narrative lectionary, hearing the great story of God. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. He took the twelve aside and began to tell them what was going to happen to him, saying, See, we're going to, up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and then they will hand him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit upon him and flog him and kill him, and after three days he will rise again. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, what is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they replied, we are able. Then Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my, at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. 
When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lorded over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. They came to Jericho, and as he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart. Get up, he is calling for you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And then Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, my teacher, let me see again. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. The story is told about a conductor on a train who is going down the aisle collecting tickets, and he turns to the gentleman with that is sitting in the seat right next to him who has got wild hair and mustache and asks for his ticket. The old man starts to search his pockets, but he seems to be having trouble finding his ticket. I, I know that I bought a ticket, the old man says, but I, I can't seem to find it. And while the old man was rummaging through his pockets, the conductor realizes that it's none other than Albert Einstein. He says to Albert Einstein, oh, Dr. Einstein, that, that, that's all right. I'll, I'll be back and forth a bunch, and when you find it, just pass it on to me. And Dr. Einstein nodded and while well, he kept on looking. About 10 minutes later, the conductor came walking back through, and now Dr. Einstein was down on his knees on the ground looking for his ticket. Oh, please, Dr. Einstein, don't trouble yourself. I, I, I know you purchased a ticket, the professor nodded. About 15 minutes later, the conductor walked through the car again, and there was Dr. Einstein crawling down the aisle looking for his ticket. Please, please, Dr. Einstein, I trust, I trust you. I, I don't need your ticket. Oh, I know you don't need my ticket, the professor said, but I do. I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> that might be an apocryphal story. But you can be really, really smart and not know where you're going. You and I live in a part of the world where being really, really smart is an important thing. Education is a big deal in America. We have endless debates on how best to achieve education for our children, and for the most part we do. We have better schools than most of the world. We prioritize our lives around knowledge. We buy more expensive houses because they're in good school districts. We pay for tutors. We send our children to classes to get better 
course on SATs. We aim our children to go to the academically best colleges. We buy the latest US News and World Report of college rankings. We pay attention to our child's class rank. Knowledge is a very important thing to us. But you can be really, really smart and still not know where you're going. In the early part of the church's history, one of the first challenges they were faced with was the rising movement of what was called Gnosticism. Gnosticism comes from the Greek word gnosis, which means knowledge. The Gnostics believed that men and women were ultimately saved by what they knew, that we must all strive to gain a special knowledge, and that knowledge separates us from other believers, and it puts us into communion with God, that there was actually a class rank when it came to discipleship, that the more you knew, all the better you were. The church deemed Gnosticism a heresy, remembering the apostles' words, our knowledge is imperfect. You can be really, really smart and still not know where you're going. So the brothers James and John, disciples of Jesus, come to Jesus with a request. Actually, it's not really a request, it's a demand. It's hard to believe that anybody would make a demand of Jesus, but James and John had somehow convinced themselves that they were in the know. Just a chapter before in Mark's gospel, it's James and John and Peter who get picked by Jesus to come up to the top of the mountain, and they witness Jesus being transfigured before them, and they see the two great prophets, Elijah and Moses, standing at Jesus' left and right hand. It's one of the most amazing spiritual encounters recorded in the New Testament. And now James and John and Peter are in the know. They have experienced something that nobody else has experienced. They have this special knowledge and it has put them in their minds up at the top of the class. So it's James and John who come to Jesus and they have a demand. They want Jesus to give them what they want. And what they want is for Jesus, when he comes into his glory, to put the two of them at his right and left hand. Now notice, Peter is no longer with them. James and John don't think to include Peter now in their request. They, they kind of want this one to themselves. Knowledge, you know, can do that sometimes. It can separate us. It can put us above another. It can exclude because there can only be one at the top of the class. So James and John now think themselves smart enough that they want to hitch their train, hitch themselves to the train of glory. They want a reservation at the head table. They want to fly first class. But you know, you can be really, really smart and not know where you're going. So they make their pitch, they make their play, and they think they can make that play because of what they know. They think they've got rank, they're ready to book their ticket. You and me, Jesus, and then Jesus says to them, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. I submit to you that that would be a hard thing to hear from Jesus. You don't know what you're talking about. It's tough when you think that you're in the know, when you think that you and Jesus have got this special relationship, that, 
that you have been with him the last couple of years, when you think you know the mind of Christ enough to put in a bid to be with him in glory, it's tough to hear the Savior say, you know, you really don't know what you're talking about. Now the reason Jesus says this to these disciples that they don't know what they're talking about is that they, is that they don't really understand where he's going. They got the wrong ticket. They got this idea that the train to glory has something to do with personal self-satisfaction, with getting themselves up to the head of the class, that the train to glory is about what's in it for me, Jesus, that the train to glory is the express train that ends me up at the head of the table on the right and left hand of Jesus. And Jesus says, fellas, you're on the wrong train because what they failed to pick up was that the journey for Jesus was not an express train to glory, but it was a local train to the cross with lots of stops along the way. And with every stop, every stop came when Jesus' heart broke. Every stop on the train came when Jesus' heart broke. Jesus' journey was a journey of the broken heart. The glory was the glory that comes when your heart goes out and breaks for the world. It's not about how much your brain retains, it's about how much your heart breaks. And sure enough, right after this humbling little conversation with the heads of the class, Jesus enters Jericho, and lo and behold, there's a blind man, Mark names him Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, one of those guys to whom life has dealt a bad hand. He's one of those guys sitting on Main Street with a bucket and a sign. He's one of those guys that, that you and I pass all the time, and he's calling out to Jesus, and the crowd tells the man, shh, hush, don't bother him. He's on the express train to Jerusalem. A surprise, this is the local train of the broken heart. And the train all of a sudden makes another stop. It makes the stop when Jesus' heart breaks. And Jesus calls for the man. And the people who've been spending all their time trying to shh the man see that the rabbi has stopped and they say to him, Take heart, he is calling for you. Take heart, he's calling for you. Take heart, the rabbi has stopped. Take heart, the man of God has paused for you. Take heart, the great physician has stopped for you. Take heart because this isn't the express train. This is the local train. Are there two sweeter words in the lexicon of the church than those words, take heart? 
It's a tough world out there, right? It's filled with all sorts of problems. There's a lot of Bartimaeuses in this world. And there's a lot of people pointing fingers and blaming and shh. The rabbi stops and they say, take heart. Are there two greater words for you and me to be sharing with a hurting world than those words, take heart? When a Stephen minister sits with a grieving widow and hears her pouring out her soul after her heart has been broken and this big hole is now left in her life and she wonders how she can go on and this companion of hers, this Stephen minister holding her hand says the words, take, take heart for the master's heart is breaking for you. When a mom and dad sit with one of our, when a mom and dad sit with one of our youth advisors and share their deep concern over their son's drug use and poor performance in school, and they hear that youth advisors say, "Take heart, for the master's heart is breaking for you." When an unemployed father and his two children step up to the food pantry door and he tells the story of all of his efforts to find a job and he seems always to be the number two candidate, not the number one, and the pantry volunteer hands him a bag of groceries so he can feed his kids and says, take heart. The master's heart is breaking for you. When a Honduran man walks into the eye clinic down in El Progreso and receives an exam and gets told of his eye condition and why he can't see correctly and gets told that there is something though that can be done about this, that there is this little surgery that can be performed. Take heart, says the doctor, take heart. For the master's heart is breaking for you. You see, the church is that gathering of people who share the broken heart of Christ, people who have boarded the local train and find that the glory comes when, when we take on the heart of Christ and find our own hearts breaking for a world that wonders if God really cares. Because the truth is, this may become as a surprise to you, the truth is nine people out of ten don't care what you know. They don't care what's in your brain. That may be hard for you to imagine. <laughs> they don't want what you know. They want your heart. What a joy it has been to witness this political campaign. <laughs> to watch the express train of candidates making their way through town and town and town. We're three weeks away from the Florida primary. Buckle your seatbelts. And I know that that's the way those things work, but the church takes its cue from a different campaigner. The one who says you don't need to know the destination, all you need to know is what is in front of you. I mentioned earlier, mentioning about George, about these tornadoes that skipped through our town and destroyed some homes, that was a late Saturday night. One of our church members who lives in a neighborhood where one of these twisters touched down and leveled a couple of homes, early in the morning walked through the neighborhood to see if he could find any people that he could help and he came upon a group of men that he had never seen before, not men from his neighborhood, 
And it turned out that these uninvited men with the sun's rise had come to their neighborhood to start to clean debris and damage. Who were these men who appeared out of nowhere, not from their neighborhood? It turns out that they were Mennonite, a group of Mennonite men from way across town who just imagined that some folks over there might need a little help. And so they came and they cleaned. Take heart, they said. And when their work was done, they left as quietly as they came. Take heart, the master's heart is breaking for you. You can be really, really smart and still not know where you're going. But the master calls us into his company and says, follow me. And maybe that's the company Walt Whitman, the great poet, joined when in the throes of the Civil War, when reports were coming to the comfort of his home in Washington, D.C., the perch of his own success, that men, that men were suffering terribly at the front and, and he could bear it no more, so he went, this poet, this poet went and plunged into the deep waters, the field hospitals behind the front lines and made it his mission to comfort the sick and tend the wounds. Take heart, he said, and later reflected in his poem, song to myself, I did not ask the wounded person how he felt. I felt myself become the wounded person. So why would we expand our ministry? Why would we challenge ourselves to create connectors into our community for people we do not yet know? Why would we want to create more space because this is a church whose heart breaks for the world. This is a church that is a train that has stopped here locally for 59 years and has wondered how can we come along the hungry, the blind, the distant, the grieving, the addicted, the confused, the young and the old, if only to say with our deeds more than our words, take heart. The master is calling you.